This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Everyone and welcome to episode thirty-five of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. My name is John. And uh, John, yes, Mike. We we watched something this week together, and not the normal together where I watched it and then you watched it. Now we're going to talk about it, but we were side by each watching it, and and not holding hands. Not holding hands. There was an armrest between us. Double armrest, actually. For extra comfort. Yep. But we went to the Regal Cinemas for the 3D screening of Marvel's Doctor Strange. Yes, we did. And I hate 3D. Like, I I just – I haven't found a use for the extra $3 it costs me to go see it in 3D. It no, sometimes no. aggravates me. Not since Avatar. I know you liked Avatar. I thought Avatar looked good in 3D. I I I had to go see The Lion King in 3D and that was garbage. We and we were forced to go see Saw 7 in 3D because it's the only format they had it in. Mm-hmm. And I had to see, I mean I'd seen all the others in the theaters, had to see this one and that didn't need to be 3D'd whatsoever. Correct. I don't I don't know if the 3D technology has changed since Avatar to now if it's gotten better or whatever, but I will say this. Doctor Strange was absolutely amazing in 3D. I agree. Absolutely amazing. When you you had said that the, the effects were fantastic and it needed to be seen in 3D, I'd heard other people say it needs to be seen in 3D. I was like, okay, we're going to see it in 3D. There's enough hype. You said it needed to be, and everyone was 100% right. Fantastic film. Yes. And I'll say this. What trailer did we get that we got a couple trailers in 3D prior to it as well? Mm-hmm. And I actually thought they looked – those trailers look good. So I don't know if that 3D technology has gotten a little better or I don't know. Maybe it was just I was just a good day for my eyes. I don't but, know. But uh, I don't know. But I really, really enjoyed Doctor Strange in 3D. It looked great. I thought Benedict Cumberpatch was awesome as Stephen Strange. Yes. Yeah, he really portrayed – like a lot of people were worried that he was going to just be another Tony Stark. They're like, we've already got Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. We don't need another cocky billionaire. And I got their concerns, but he brought a different level to um, Stephen Strange. You know, he, he was well, definitely not Tony Stark. No, not at all. Not at all. He was actually unlikable. Correct. You know, at the beginning of the movie, before he had his accident, before he are we going spoiler free? Are we going to say screw it? It's been a it's been a few days. It's been two weeks. You know, so we're gonna okay, yeah, screw it. If you don't want to hear about Doctor Strange, start skipping forward. I don't know how long. Just start skipping forward. Anyhow, he was complete. He was actually an unlikable character. You know, up until the accident, and then even after the accident, he was so still massively self centered. You know. Pushing everybody um, in his life away and making it all about yep. him, and it was his life was over if he didn't have his hands. 
but it was a completely different way than when Tony Stark and Iron Man two, well, Iron Man two or three, when he was all depressed. Uh, three. Okay, completely different than Tony Stark and Iron Man three style. I mean, it was its own. It was great. It was done really, really well. Uh, a couple of things I've seen it three times now, and uh, a couple of things that I took out of this that really resonated with me. Um, Apart from other Marvel movies. Uh, for one, you've seen the meme out there that says, you know, here's somebody who got his superpowers by studying hard and reading books, you know, doing homework. Uh, that's kind of nice. You know, every other hero that we've been introduced to so far has, you know, like Tony Stark already had a billion dollar company. He already had the know-how to do technology and robots and stuff like that. So he was just basically like, look what I can do. Uh, Steve, he built a suit. Yeah. Steve Rogers got the super soldier serum. Uh, Banner is the Hulk. You know, Natasha trained, Hawkeye trained. Uh, Thor is just a god. You know, we've seen all of these guys who uh, basically either lucked into their powers or practiced a little bit. But, you know, this is somebody who had to start from the bottom and had yeah. to want it. And he did. Yeah, and it wasn't just like he went through training for fighting. You're right. He had to. He read books. Right. He read. He studied. Yes, he still had to train and learn how to fight and everything, but it was it was training of the mind. Yep. And you had made the comment about how the director didn't want any guns in the movie because there's nothing more magical than guns. I didn't miss the fact there's no guns in the movie at all. It was just, it was just a truly a great movie and. If it wasn't, if Marvel wasn't attached to it, if this was just a movie about a guy and this was what happened, if it was unrelated to comic books, it would still be a, a great movie. Yes. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it'd still be a great story, still be a great movie. You know, I mean, I love the little Easter eggs, you know, where they got uh, Avengers, the Avengers Tower there and the skyline every time they show the New York City skyline. That yep. was pretty cool. Um, when he, there's a scene where he's before the accident where he's driving in the car down this mountain pass and he's looking for future patients and they make comment about uh, a guy in experimental suit with a broken spine or whatever. And that sounded like Brody to me. Uh, but it's not. No. Uh, a lot of people have asked about that and the timelines don't match up. Because okay. if you think about it, in Winter Soldier, they had a map of potential threats, and Stephen Strange was on that list. And granted, this takes place like uh, one of the awards in his display case says 2014 or 2016. So it is modern, but yeah. they said that it is not. Plus, they said that this guy that was in the uh, – Experimental suit was a Marine and Rhodey is Air Force. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks yep. for that. Nope. Uh, trust but me. Still, I looked it that makes up. sense because and... we, we've saw plenty of, in Iron Man, saw plenty of people getting injured in experimental suits. Yes. Yeah. They said it was um, probably one of Hammer's tests, you know, when he was correct, trying to. Yeah. But the other reference to the, uh, the female that got struck by lightning was Ms. Marvel. Yes. They, so. They're pretty sure of that. Kevin Feige refused to give a definitive answer. He said, oh, I'll never tell. So that usually yeah. means yes. Yeah. Um, no, I, I love the movie. I thought the effects were great. I thought the story was great. I thought the way everything done was pretty fantastic. Um, I can't encourage you enough to go watch the movie. The uh, Another takeaway that I wanted to touch upon here is this is the first time that I can think of that we've really seen a hero in the Marvel Universe who doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to kill. You know, you look back over all of them, and even, like, Banner, when he was reluctant to be the Hulk, 
he'd still get out there and smash anyone in his way, and he would stop anything that was coming at yep. him. But Strange yep. adamantly opposes it. He's like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to. You know, Mordo keeps trying to get him to fight. He's like, fight as if your life depended on it. And he's like, I'm going to find a clever way out of this. Exactly, yes. And it um, would have been interesting to see him in Civil War, had they had him out at the time, see how he handled the big brawl that they did. But, I mean, he obviously could fight if he needed to. He yes. didn't have a choice, you know. Yep. Um, I thought there was still that – there was very uh, – there's a lot of seriousness in the movie, and there was also the same amount of Marvel humor in the movie. <laughs> yes. Which just makes it an all-encompassing all package of a great flick. Um, and then, of course, you know, we got the two PSs. Yep. We got the final, final end, end credits PS, which was Mordo taking back Benjamin Bratt's sorcery powers and essentially, assi- you know, lining himself up to become the new villain. Yep. In uh, Doctor Strange Two, which is exciting. Yes. And then the mid credits PS was essentially Doctor Strange meeting with Thor, questioning why he has Loki in New York City because he, you know, he he's on the list. <laughs> yeah, he's of undesirables. Been making and, a list. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, you're just here to find Odin, and then once that, you'll leave? Yeah. Oh, well, let me help you. And so, obviously, that sets up, we're going to see Doctor Strange and Ragnarok. And apparently, ever since this movie came out and that PS became public knowledge, if you now go on IMDb, I guess Benedict Cumberbatch is listed under Thor Ragnarok. Okay. That doesn't surprise me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was just a darn good movie. It really was. He's it's another case where like with the Guardians of the Galaxy, you took somebody who's never really been an A-list, you know, he was never a first draft pick, you know, most people you ask him their favorite comics, you're not going to find a lot of people who are like, "Oh, I really like Doctor Strange." He kind of he he's been popular, but he yep. has never um, had that level of fame or popularity that you would expect from a big name in Marvel. Yes. And yet, uh, someone at, they made but, a great movie. Yeah. I mean, they really have done a great job with their B characters or even, I guess, maybe, well, maybe you want to call them C characters in the Marvel Universe. Of course, we were treated to a, a good liege of trailers yeah. before the movie, including, you know, Wonder Woman, which... It's really the first since the you know Spider- Batman vs Spider Man and, and uh, I mean Batman vs Superman and uh, Suicide Squad and everything. Uh, it's really the first one that I've been excited for since Man of Steel. Yep, yep. We got Old Man Logan. Yes. Which I am a little torn because I can't decide: does the movie really look that awesome, or is it the the Johnny Cash song tied in with? The trailer. I think it's going to be a slow movie. I think yeah. I think it's going to be good, but I think it's going to be slow, and I think it's going to be a lot of heartfelt sentiment and him coming yes. to grips with getting old and and passing the torch, and yeah. you know everybody around him has died off. That's why I still can't figure out if this Xavier is a figment of his imagination or just in his mind or actually real life flesh and blood. Right. Um. Yeah. And we got, of course, we got the Rogue One trailer, mm-hmm. which, phenomenal. And we got a Guardians trailer, and we got a stupid Triple X trailer. Told you. Uh, told you. Oh, was God, awful. that was so dumb. The only thing good about it is Donnie Yen's in it, and I like Donnie Yen, but that's still not enough to make me want to watch it anytime soon. No. And uh, do we get any other trailers? I mean, I mean, that sounds like six or seven right there. We got the trailer that won me over oh. to want to see The Great Wall. Yes. Yes, we got the Great Wall trailer, 
which I can't figure out if Matt Damon's dubbed or not because you don't see him enough, but you hear his dialogue and it doesn't kind of doesn't sound like him. Um, but yes, the Great Wall definitely looks better than it did the first trailer. And didn't we get the trailer for Life? Yes. And that looks really good. For as little as they showed us. <laughs> yes, which is the perfect way to do a trailer. Yep. They gave us basically one scene, you know, yeah. a couple little clips here and there, but one scene. And then we're left to wonder what's going on. I mean, it's got uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jake. What is it? Is that Jake Gyllenhaal? Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep. Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. Um, it's essentially, it's almost like it has that same alien feel to me as far as people in space. There's something coming after them. Yeah, right? they, they basically have a microorganism that they've determined is the first proof of life beyond Earth. Yeah. And it looks like at one point, um, you know, as they're, what, what is he calling it? It was like, uh, you're a daddy. You know, oh, you're a daddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and then it seems to grab him and pull. And yeah. And then it cuts to that maybe it's some sort of infection or who knows, but high drama and tight quarters is what it comes down to. Yep. And it does look really good. It does. So that was a great movie outing because we got a lot of great trailers and got a really awesome movie. Yes. Agreed. Did you uh, head any other movies to the theater this week while we're on the subject? None at the theater, nope. Cool. Yeah, I watched a couple movies myself, but not the theater. Man. Um, so I gotta ask, did you watch Ash vs. Evil Dead yet? I did, and okay, I now know why you were barking so excited, dude. This is this is definitely like I'm so excited for this. Um, they found a very amazingly awesome way to bring Ellen Sandwise back as Cheryl in this episode. Yep, who was Ash's sister that was in the first movie that was you know obviously killed um it was great i mean it was great i just yeah love it love it love it and of course we find out that ted ramey's character chet and cheryl may have had a little something something going on in the past you know back when cheryl was alive and um yeah they just did such a really really great job with it but i think my favorite thing is when cheryl comes out of the room and she's like, Ashley, what's going on? What's wrong? What's happened? And he goes, uh, you died after being branch banged by a tree 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a pretty phenomenal line. It is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it was a great episode for me in the fact that they managed to tie in one of the original characters to bring him back. Uh, also going on in the episode is Pablo is essentially becoming one with the book and they're trying to lure – the uh, incantation, whatever it is that they need to send Ball back to hell by uh, hurrying the process of the book taking over Pablo. I, I think I thought it was funny at the beginning where uh, Linda and Lacey, the sheriff's wife and daughter, are, have run are, are with Ash at the start of this episode, as opposed to running off after what happened at the jail. Right, and. Um, yeah, basically the town comes to uh, – the lynch mob comes to hunt down Ash and uh, his fight with Cheryl takes to the outside and they see, holy crap, he, was, he wasn't lying. That's his sister. She's supposed to be dead. Oh, my God. She's possessed. So the town knows that Ash is a hero now, which is great. For as long as that lasts. 
For as long as that lasts, yeah. 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 And then he very violently cuts his sister's head off in front of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) What a great episode. It would have been very easy for them to bring anybody and put them in the role of his sister. But the fact that they actually brought Ellen Sandweiss in was just a tribute to how much Bruce and Sam love this series. If they really would have recast her and put someone else in that role, even if it was just somebody in makeup, I, I it would have been upsetting. Yep. You know, if they even if they just would have brought her back as a deadite so that you don't see like her human form, if you will, it would have been like, Oh come on, she can't be doing anything. <laughs> I, seeing her on there, it got me doing a little digging on IMDb, and I found something very interesting that I never knew before. You may have known this. Um, you know who Greg Nicotero is? Yes. Special effects guy for The Walking Dead. He's written and directed several of the episodes. He's he's yep. basically one of the big guys at The Walking Dead. You know when he does an episode, it's going to be great. Did you know that he's credited as being the actor who played the hand in Evil Dead 2? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't do the prosthetics for it. He was the hand. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Back in his early days. Oh, that's really funny. I like that. Yep. Um, But basically, yeah, uh, we find out that the Ruby's children stole her immortality. And uh, at the end of it, Ball knocks out Ash. And we're left with that. Yep. Only a few more episodes left. So... Until we have to wait up another year. I know. It's, 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 this show and Stand Against Evil both being such short seasons. Uh, it's kind of upsetting because it's such a great show. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So what you got? On that, that, that pretty much covered it. Okay. Um, Westworld then? Yeah. Lots okay. Of, lots of notes on Westworld. Lots of notes on Westworld. Go ahead. Take us away. It was a very, uh, I guess, I don't know if self-contained is the right word, but it was not a, an expansive episode like we've had in the past where there are different things going on in a million different places. This one kind of just focused in a couple key areas, but we got a lot more information, a lot more backstory, um, yeah, it was it was more of an answer giving episode than anything I felt. Uh it, we also got treated to a nice little um I'm just looking through my notes here, a nice little nod to the movie when Bernard goes down into the super sub level there and he steps in and you get to see the mannequin in the back that's dressed up like the original automatron. Yeah, that was awesome. Yep. Immediately I went right to my Oh my god, that's him. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw in the background, I was just like, oh, 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 there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, like, as far as this, we really got a good look at Maeve and how it was that she knew that by dying, she was going to wake up in the lab. Right. Yeah. And so she set out from what – because remember how she kept – last episode – the Felix there, the Asian doctor, kept recognizing, like, okay, she's coming back here way too much. Why mm-hmm. is she dying so much now? And then, of course, she woke up at the end of that episode, and now this episode, you know, we see her basically entice someone into killing her. <laughs> yeah, she's, like, really being mean to him. She's like, oh, come on, you can do better than that. Yeah. 
And so that way she wakes up in the lab because that way she right up looks at Felix and says, now yeah. where were we? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, she's basically gotten full control and knows everything that's going on. And my favorite part is, I don't know if this other character's name is, but it's Felix lab partner. Who's just a loud mouth blowhard. Yes. And she just puts him right in his place. A couple of immediately. times. Oh yeah. And so now it's funny how they're both so afraid of her. Even though really all they have to do is shut her down. <laughs> but it's like they're afraid to. It's like they're afraid to do anything but what she says. Right. Um, but yeah, good episode. And yep, then they, uh, they, they did some digging about the anomalous data that was coming from that guy, the, uh, the stray, the, the stray. Yes. And Bernard said that it was old code from the old models that they had and he had to go downstairs. That's why he ended up down in that sub basement because yes. he needed a, a specific computer program from back in the old days to decipher what the data was. So this was like old school kind of stuff. Almost like, you know, when you see the movies and they're using Morse code to tap out yes. this stuff. <laughs> exactly. And he finds out, of course, that there's there's the only, the other anomaly besides the stray that was in the park is there's five anomalies in a restricted area. Yes, that's been, uh, it's no trespassing. It says that it's been cordoned off for future, um, narrative, uh, narrative. Yeah. Sorry. I was trying to so say course, narration and narrative at the same yeah. time. So of course Bernard goes and checks it out. Well, and, yeah. But he, yeah, cause why not? By himself, of course, without telling anyone where he's going. And he stumbles across a home that's inhabited by a family. Including a dog. And it's the young when, boy that we've seen a few times. Yes, that's right. Thank you. It's the young boy we've seen. And then when the father approaches Bernard for trespassing in their home, he doesn't obey voice commands until, right. until, uh, Ford Hopkins show, Thank you. Ford shows up. And we find out that these are all generation one machines built by Arthur himself. Wow. And it's Ford's family. Yep. He, he tried to create for him, uh, a snapshot of his family from a happy memory. When the only happy it. memory he has yes. of his family. Yep. Um, but yeah, and so they're offline. They're not hooked to the system and they're, he maintains them and everything like that. And it's kind of, it's kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. Not kind of neat, but it's kind of like, it makes Bernard suspicious of Ford, the man he's trusted this whole time because he's been hiding this big of a thing. Right. Right. And why would he feel the need to hide it? Why wouldn't he just say, you know, this is what's going on down here. Everybody stay away. But instead he, uh, he felt the need to uh, keep everybody out with big, you know, do not enter signs essentially. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, Maeve was kind of used as a tool to explain to us about the droids themselves or the automatrons or whatever they are. Cause yes. you know, a lot of time Felix spent showing her, like she wanted to learn about herself and he was like, okay, Sylvester is the other tech, by the way. Um, yes. Thank you. So Felix is like, yeah, well, let me show you. And he's like, everything that you do, everything that you act, everything that you say is because you were programmed. And she's like, no, that's not the way that it is. And he's showing her how on the keypad or on the little tablet that he has there, her words are popping out as she's saying them. And because they're being processed through her brain, the way the program tells it to run, and yep. it causes her to kind of short circuit. Yeah, because well, I thought it was because it kept trying to. I thought it popped out a little bit before what she was about to say. Like it was ahead of her a little bit, like maybe a nanosecond. Yeah, but it was enough that she noticed that this is telling 
this the what you know what she's saying is coming up just before she's saying it type of thing. Right. And then when she tries to battle against it, it basically causes her to seize up. Right. Um. And then all of a sudden she does pop too. Like, oh, okay. Well, we know that's what happens. Right. Right. Like, oh, but okay. Well. They, they really did a good job using this episode to explain how all the hosts work mm-hmm. and how they're gauged on and on and on. And my favorite is, is like, um, you know, like, oh my, you know, basically her intelligence is at a 14. No, none of the hosts are allowed to be higher than 14. And she recognizes immediately. It's like, oh, it's a way to control them. You know, she's a 14 because she's in management. Yeah. But otherwise, no. So they, she has them adjust her settings. And when they go in to adjust her settings, because Sylvester can do it, mm-hmm. that's when they discover that somebody else had already gone in and altered her settings. Yeah, not just that one, but other ones. Yeah, and it freaks Sylvester out bad that someone else had already gone in there based on the alterations they did. Yep. And so they, they took her intelligence and just cranked it all the way to max. And then they changed her pain receptors because at her request, so that way it's not so bad when she's, you know, going to come to have these little <laughs> meetings with them. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, I mean, that's kind of where they left it off. I think with her on that is they've just cranked her up and she's ready to see what happens. Um, have you noticed that since like when, uh, the man in black, cause we also got some time with him and Teddy. Yes. Uh, ever since he scalped that guy and got the copy of the maze map. Yeah. It's been like, it's been shoved down our throats essentially. You know, we saw it in multiple times in the last episode. In this one, it's on the table that the guys are playing dominoes on. Uh, when the soldiers capture Teddy because they recognize him as a traitor that helped Wyatt, they're gonna, they're gonna yeah. brand him with, uh, a, a with branding iron that has it. It's almost like the further away you get from the central town, maybe. Right. It becomes more prevalent, but, or it's just one of those things where they take it and now that it's obvious, they make it obvious. Yep. But yeah, I mean, we find out that Teddy may have actually helped Wyatt, according to these other hosts. Right. And he seems to have a memory of that as well. And then all of a sudden, Teddy doesn't seem to have any problem killing a bunch of people. Busting out the old Gatlin gun and, and executing everyone at that Union outpost that had captured them that they had to try to get through to get to Mexico to find Dolores and find the maze and everything. Right. So. And between Maeve and the mystery programming, um, the fact that Ford has been tweaking his quote-unquote family for quite yeah. a while now to try to make them more like their real-life counterparts and yeah. the uh, the mysterious signal, which it turns out that the data has been streamed up to one of their own satellites, not yes. a rival satellite. Um, the, the one thing that we've taken out of it that it looks like is that somehow Arnold or somebody with Arnold's credentials has yeah. been tweaking all of the older model droids, the ones that were there from the beginning, like Maeve. Like and, Dolores. Yeah, like Dolores, uh, like Teddy, I believe. And th- he's basically been making changes, little bits here and there, but they're turning yeah. out to be pretty massive. Um, it says that they could, it could alter their prime directives. They could actually hurt people, which we've been seeing, you know, where they choked right. out that guy in black and, uh, or tried to choke him out. Well, it's, it's like the voice that Dolores keeps hearing about killing, like the guy that was going to rape her back in the shed. Yes. Or, uh, in the barn many episodes ago. Yep. And everything else, the other voices she's been hearing is that's supposed to be now Arnold. Right. Because, or, yeah. Because even the boy who is representative of young Ford heard the voice and killed his dog. 
because yes, the he, voice told him that the dog was going to be a killer and you have to stop yeah. him before he becomes a killer. Yeah, and of course, Anthony Hopkins' character, Ford, forces him to tell him. Because uh, at first the boy's resistant and doesn't want to tell him and wants to lie to him and say, oh, I don't know what happened. I just found him this way. He was chasing a rabbit, on and on and on. And then eventually, you know, through the fact that he, he forces him via his programming to tell him what actually happened. Um, so, yeah, it's it's some pretty heavy stuff. And then, of course, Elsie, Shannon Woodward's character. Mm-hmm. Finds where the signal's being sent from from this old theater. Knows she goes the to the old lady's involved somehow, but also Arnold. Right. So she goes to the old theater and finds the, the, the unit. And by, you know, like looking at the programming or whatever, she's able to tell that the, the boss lady is involved. And of course, Bernard's just about to tell her what's going on when Elsie gets through to him and says, hey, Teresa's involved. Mm-hmm. And so he stops himself. Yeah. Because now he's got the, the torn consciousness yeah. thing. Because they were, they had been in a relationship together, and she abruptly just broke it off. Right. Like, the, in this same episode, so. Yeah, there was a lot that happened in this episode. Uh, one thing I saw online that I looked up, it said that in episode three, we had that point where um, Ford gave Bernard a picture of a young version of himself and Arnold. They were standing there, yes. you know, side by side, smiling at the camera. The guy who, obviously, Anthony Hopkins is Anthony Hopkins, even when he's digitally made up to look younger. The yeah. other guy in the photo, though, Arnold, looked an awful lot like Ford's dad. The the automatron who was playing Ford's dad. Okay, yeah. Which begs the question, was Arnold Ford's father? Is that why he made him this family of a happy time? He wanted his son to remember a happy time when they were a family. Is this a family business? Okay, I hadn't I hadn't heard or thought of that one, but that makes sense. That does make sense. Could add a whole other that. twist yeah. on the things if it turned out that know. way. This show just makes you think, so I'm excited to watch the next episode. Yeah, which will be airing tonight. Yes, or as you listen to this on Monday last night, right? So, um, yeah, uh, a lot of shows weren't on this week. Because of the uh, elections or whatnot, so there was no Timeless, no Agents of Shield, no This Is Us, no Flash, no The Middle. Um, but there was plenty of other stuff to talk about that happened this week. Yes. Um, I don't know, Gotham. Gotham. You know, okay, so the captain murders someone at the beginning of a movie, at the beginning of the episode, right? And and. By the end of the episode, he's going to turn himself in and then doesn't. Right. Um, but, you know, he – well, yeah, he's, he loses it and he's not very subtle when it comes to killing Dr. Simon by throwing him out the, you know, the window. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. throwing him through the wall. Uh, and then, of course, Penguin is very jealous of the uh, Miss Kringle doppelganger that yep. Nigma is uh, in a relationship with. Yeah. And that just gets weird. Like that whole arc just gets weird with her making herself up to look like Kringle and then like having odd kinky sex with Nigma after he chokes her because yeah. she forces him to choke her. Yeah. And then he snaps out of it and then they like do it. And then it's led to believe that Penguin has her killed, but of course we don't see the accident, we don't see the body. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, the yeah, uh, that's a whole weird storyline going on. Dude, Gotham itself is a whole weird storyline. <sighs> yeah, it really is. It, it there really, was nothing really is. in this episode that really like I took notes, but mostly it was just this is just so bizarre. You know, we're focusing on Lee's engagement party. Who cares? Oh yeah, that too. Oh, when Barbara crashes Lee's engagement party, who cares? Dating two different guys or whatever. And then, of course, you know, Martin said, he messaged me, said he was going to give us our thoughts on his thoughts on Bruce Wayne and then never did this week. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Never got to us. So we can't talk about that. So Martin, you know, if you're listening and if you can spare a few minutes, please send us your notes on Bruce Lee so we can, Bruce Lee, Bruce Wayne, so we can, uh, we can discuss it. Mm hmm. Because you're I, uh, the biggest Batman fan I know. Uh, they also had – apparently one of the writers must have decided that they really loved the movie Face Off because we had a little side story in there about a doctor who God. cuts people's faces off and puts them on other people. Okay. I mean, were they trying to go for the hush route You know, early on in the Gotham universe? I doubt it. I doubt that they would actually have that level of like – intellect and creativity to say, let's set this up. But, yeah, I, I was not impressed. Yeah, either was I. I, I wasn't either. Um, what I thought was going to be a good relationship for Ed turns yeah, out to be it's really just twisted. Even weirder and twisted and on and on and on. Yeah, it's just messed up. Um, yeah. So my next story, that my next uh, chat or stuff, episode or show that I'm going to bring up is Superstore. Do you have anything between there? Uh, when was Superstore? Thursday? That's a, on a Wednesday, I think it is. Uh, did you watch Supergirl on Monday? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I did watch Supergirl on Monday. And I, okay, I really did like the story. My The thing is, my Supergirl note is one line, which is, oh, they're making her sister a lesbian. That's what you boiled the entire episode down to? Yes, that, that whole episode to me boiled down to they're making her sister a lesbian. Okay. Well, for for the rest of the notes on the episode, um, <laughs> the, this was an episode about – essentially the running theme was trying to force people into roles – Based on right. what you think is right. Exactly. You know, so you had Kara, who was Kara, whatever. See, Kat's got it in my head now. Um, she did. She did. Kara was trying to make Mon-El into Mike Matthews, Cat co-employee intern. She right. basically said, this worked for me when I came to Earth and had so the high this should work for you. Yeah. Right. And he is from a planet of debauchery, you know, and, and – and where women are subservient to men, apparently. Yep, yep, because he kept getting Miss Tessmacher to do his work for him, and he was screwing her in the broom closet, and, you know, he wanted to just call in sick and party and drink, and um, basically, Kara had to come to the realization through people hitting her over the head with it that just because it works for you, it doesn't work for everybody. He needs to find his own thing. Exactly. There's and, a lot of lessons learned in, in, these, in this show, apparently. Yep. Yep, I was not excited about the fact that Jimmy Olsen has decided he wants to be a superhero. 
because he sees all the other superheroes and he's like, Wynn, you need to help make me a suit. Make me a super suit so that I can be a hero too. And Wynn's like, no, don't be stupid. We're not heroes. They're the heroes. And then by the end, he's like, mm, I guess you could be a hero. I'll, I'll start working on that suit for you, buddy. Yeah, I didn't like that part either. I wasn't a fan of that part either. So, um, But the big monster of the week were human villains who had alien technology, and basically it was being given to them by Cadmus because Cadmus wants to weaken people's love of aliens. So, you know, show them these super-powered alien weapons. They got into the wrong hands. Oh, my God. You know, we need to stop aliens because they're bringing this tech down here that could ruin the planet. Yeah. And that was their big plan. And, you know, Lena Luther lured them all to her big gala event so that she could set off some kind of an EM bomb that would disable all the weapons. Yep. And uh, then we get the big reveal that the head of Cadmus there, the one that you and I both mistakenly thought was... Um, Linda Carter, yeah. Yep, is actually Lena's mom. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so I think I went grown after that, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. I I still really like the fact that Lena seems to be a good person, and this yes. only seemed to cement it even more. You know, she seems to be good. She seems to be legitimate on the up and up, and she's like Kara's new best friend, which I'm enjoying. But I think that, like, what you were saying about her sister. It's actually a really good way. A lot of these shows, they could have just glossed over it and she could have been like, well, I just, I feel really attracted to you and, and I don't know what it is, but let's date. But instead, Alex kind of went through a little bit of a struggle. Like she didn't want the, the girl was like, Oh, so you're a lesbian. She's like, no, I'm no, not. And, and well, she, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. She ran off. And but yeah. when she explained it at the end, you know, she said that she's never liked dating. She's never liked intimacy. Um, she always thought she was weird because she just didn't feel right on dates or kissing or hugging or anything like that. It just, she assumed that there was something wrong with her and that maybe now she's realizing that it could be that she just wasn't looking for it in the right places. So it was, I liked it. It was a nicer way. No, to go it about wasn't. It. Yeah. It was done in a nice way. It wasn't done in a trashy way or over the top or ridiculous way. I mean, it was done in a nice character development way. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good episode. I enjoyed it much better than most of the other crap the CW's got these days, but I know we'll get to that. Like, like for instance, just, I'm going to jump ahead real sure. quick. So you have more Supergirl to talk about. Nope. Okay. Arrow. Arrow has fast become my least favorite of the DC CW shows. Ooh, I don't know. Legends is still right up there for me. See, I enjoy Legends. I actually like. I I enjoy Legends okay. this week. I mean, because they just okay. We got more flashbacks, yay! Um, but essentially, for me, the never-ending story in Arrow every week is somebody lied. Someone lied. <laughs> someone didn't tell the whole truth. I mean, come on. Like, all right. So his team finds out about. He had his kill book, his kill list. When he first came back to town, he was a different person, but yet they feel like betrayed because he didn't share that with them. Like, mm -hmm. did they share their entire life stories with him? <laughs> right. 
but because he didn't tell them something that happened that five years ago or how he was five years ago, they feel betrayed. No, no, that's, that's horseshit. Yeah. That was bad writing. Yes, it was. That was, and, and then of course, but it's just, it's, it's just rehashed constantly, you know, with, oh, Arrow and Spartan go after Prometheus without the rest of the team. The rest of the team feels offended because they're the B team apparently now that, now that John's back. Right. And, you know, it's like, oh, great. Oh, now we're upset because he didn't tell us something he did five years ago. You know, it's just, again, so the only, not shining light, but I thought it was cool was seeing Dolph Lundgren come in as uh, Constantine. Not the cool Constantine, but the, the Russian mobster guy. Right. It, it's funny because it, it must be Dolph Lundgren having a good week in media or something because the same week he was on an episode of uh, At Midnight with Chris yep. Hardwick. And at the very end, he came out and was basically talking about the election and, you know, let's try to band together. And so the last game of the night was that they each had to come up with a tweet that Dolph Lundgren could tweet out on his Twitter um, that would – kind of inspire people after the election results and yeah. the one that was voted the most popular he would do. And he did it. He whipped his phone right out and tweeted it right then and there. So that was cool. Yeah. And then to see him on arrow, it was like, Oh cool. This guy's putting himself back in the spotlight. Yeah. He, I mean, he mentioned right on uh, at midnight, he's like, yep, I went to MIT. I've got my master's in chemical engineering. I've never he, used it a day in my life. Yeah. He's a very smart man, actually. Yes, he is. He is a very, very smart man. But he did make reference to uh, being a Russian and coming over and kicking the ass of Apollo Creed. (laughs) (laughs) But doesn't he have like a TV show on – he has a TV show that he does. It's a science TV show, doesn't he now, he hopes? I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. I'm going to have to look it up now while we're talking. But I'm pretty sure now that you've said that the old MIT thing, yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. But besides the fact, otherwise, of course, Lance is still a drunk and he never sobered up. Um, actually, I, oh no, no, no! That's right. The I'm sorry, cause... I'm sorry. That's right, right. He thinks he's a drunk that never sobered up, but now at the end, is he Prometheus? Is that he, what they're trying to say? He is Prometheus because he had the arm wound that uh, Artemis gave him. So basically. It, it was that plus they said that the arrowheads or the, the ninja stars that he's been using to carve people up are melted down from the arrowheads that were in evidence from Oliver's first year as the arrow. Yeah. And for some reason he's, um, he's targeting people whose names are anagrams of people in the kill book, which is so ridiculous. I can't even wrap my brain around it. Like Gotham would look at that and say, that's stupid. Yeah. And yet they're like, yeah, uh, so, you know, this person was in the kill book. And so we're going to find somebody else who has a name that if you rearrange the letters, it's the same. Ha ha ha. And I'll kill them. That it's just, it makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be Lance. And I don't know if they're going to pull a dissociative identity disorder type of thing. I was about to say, do you think he realizes it? Because when he woke up and he looked and he saw his arm the way it was. Right. He seemed pretty surprised about that. I think that that's what they're going to do. They're going to say that, you know, it was a shattering of his psyche because he's lost both of his daughters and his wife and all this stuff. And he, he took to drinking and it just, it splintered him. But I don't know. It it is Ugh. weak. It's it's very weak sauce on that show. Um, recently, I've seen an article that keeps popping up, and it's where they talk to Stephen Amell, and he says that um, 
he was disappointed with season four. But the reason he was disappointed with season four was because they are we're, – we're a street-level crime-fighting show. And when we branched out into magic, that's not our wheelhouse and that's not where we should have gone. Well, how about you get away from being sullen and mopey all the time? How about you get away from everybody casting blame on everybody else and being like, I can't trust you because five years ago you did stuff that I didn't know about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I really missed Flash this week. I know. I really, I really did miss Flash this week. Um, so, Brain Games. Oh, yeah. Yep, now yeah. that you mentioned that, I know about that. Yeah, Brain Games. He hosts that. Which uh, that is. That was around when I was a kid and it was on HBO. It was just brain yeah. teasers and stuff. Right. So I think that's what, it, that's, that's what I've been thinking of, yeah. Gotcha. Or he's, he, not, he doesn't host. He appears on the show frequently, is what it is. Ah. He's on the show a lot. Okay. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, from, yeah, that's what it is. He's on the show a ton. Anyhow. Um, but, yeah, I just, I missed Flash. I wasn't that impressed with Arrow. Truthfully, Legends of Tomorrow wasn't that great of an episode either. Uh, I did like the Miami Vice-like opening. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, they, they even had the jet boat pulling away at the beginning, like in the background. Yep, they sure did. Um, you know, we got Lance Hendrickson in this episode yeah. this week. Um, so that was cool. Uh, but Legends has been picked up for four more episodes. Well, that's good. <coughs> Excuse me. Originally, a 13-episode season two has now been stretched to a 17-episode season two. They somehow found a way to include a younger Stein again. Yep, yep. You know, this and time he wanted to be there for the Gorbachev signing the deal with Reagan about the nukes. And he's somehow a bigger douche than older Stein. Again. Yeah, again. Once again. Yep. yep. It's it just some of the stuff that they pull in Legends makes me question how the writers, like, do they do any kind of continuity checks? It's like they're writing this stuff just based on what seems cool in their head. Like the right. fact that Damien Dark appears out of nowhere and starts advising the White House on their nuclear program a day before the nuclear talks. Well, like Eobod Fawn somehow gets him that gig. If you see at the beginning, they have the talk between yeah, Fawn says, and you know, Damien Dark. He somehow gets Dark the gig to be the advisor to the president. And so, of course, we cut to he's the advisor to the president. And right before the end um, – you know, basically Sarah just lays out his future to him about what happens and how he stopped. That's pretty probably a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, she kind you of know, armed him. The more she kept telling him, I'm like, what are you doing? Because it's Damien Dark seems like the type of guy, he's going to remember that. Yeah. And he's going to make sure it doesn't happen that way. He certainly remembered her from the brief stint that he saw her back in the 40s. Exactly. Like, I remember you. I recognize you. Yeah. So that seemed like a really bad idea to me on, on her part. Sarah um, seems like a really bad idea to me. <laughs> like, she's supposed to be their leader, and she's yeah. more hell-bent on turning off her comms and going after Dark herself, even though she loses oh. every time. She can't kick that revenge. Yeah. We got to find out but, that in 1956, the JSA was sent to Leipzig. Obsidian was not yeah. allowed to go for reasons that he won't talk about. 
and yep. the JSA never came back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll, the, and we'll also the legends now. Sometime. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, they will probably the next episode. And now the legends all know about the speedsters there, so they right. they don't know it's Thawne, but they know that there's a speedster involved who's faster than Barry. Yeah, that right there, I call BS. Yeah, so it was like too. it's a speedster, and they're like, like Barry, no faster. How would you know? Exactly. Yeah. You did you, did you have a know. speed gun? No, you didn't. Yeah. No. Well, shut up, Sarah. Even then, even then, they couldn't tell. Yeah. Oh, and how so, about this? How about this? Okay. Gideon, they actually gave Gideon a role this time. Like Gideon was talking constantly through this episode. And Gideon's like, oh, I have accessed Mr. Dark's calendar through his IBM Pro laptop computer, and he has a meeting tonight in the park at 8 p.m. Why would he have scheduled a clandestine meeting with a member of the Russian hierarchy in the middle of the night in a darkened park and put it in his calendar on his laptop, like meeting with shady character, 8 p.m. Yeah, it seems like something that he would leave off the books. Yeah, yeah. Like he would have said dinner date with Sarah or something like that. Right, yeah. Definitely, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Definitely something you'd think he'd leave off the books on that one. And how did – now, I, I'll give you that Eobard got him the job there. That's fine. How is it that Amaya – Okay, Vixen, who's out of her element because she's from the 40s, says, okay, I got us all invites to the state dinner. How? Lance Henriksen got it done. And then they all walked in together to the the 80s theme music, and they all looked dressed up to the 90s, 80s style. But he was able to just procure them a fistful of invites to this state dinner. Just like, here you go, guys. One for every one of you. What happened to the old days where it would have been like, I can only get two. So pick your two people, and then everybody else be waiting in the wings. Yeah. Well, well, apparently. And don't forget, um, you know, the underlining uh, best buddy storyline with Rory and and Roy. (laughs) Or Ray, I mean. I I do Um, love Mick. He's a great guy. But... It was very much like what Supergirl was, you know. Oh, I'm trying to make you into him, but you keep reminding yeah. me of how much I miss him. And exactly. Why can't I quit and then at you? the end, he's like, "You just be yourself. Be yourself. Be right. Be the Bernier. Go ahead and break the cold gun." Which is going to be interesting because they yeah. already told us months ago that Captain Cold was going to be a member of the Legion of Doom when they're introduced. Yeah. So. Something's going to happen there where Mick's going to become conflicted, and yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Well, we'll just see, I guess. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Sarah pickpocketed Dark, whatever he yep. got from the Russians, the the thing that he yep. was most interested in, and uh, we never got to see what it was. Nope. Thawne mentioned, you know, it's gone. They've already left. I can't get it back. And she said, oh, I've got it, but she just showed us the box. Yeah. Okay. We don't know what it is inside the box. They didn't imply anything. They didn't tell us anything. So I'm sure the big reveal will be coming up. Gotcha. As long as well as the big long backstory as to what exactly it is. Apparently next week they're going back to the Wild West and back to Jonah Hex. Nice. I'm okay with that. I like Jonah Hex. I, I knew you would be. Yeah. Yeah, that, that works fine with me. So let's 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 talk about a, a show that we both loved. Okay. That we both loved this week. I know we both loved it. Even if the second episode was a little bit weak sauce compared to the first third episode. But anyways, 
Stand Against Evil. Yes. So I, I enjoyed this show. Uh, episode three picks up 18 months ago. Man gets killed in the bathroom having his life sucked from him. You think that would have come up with Stan at some point? Like he would have recognized that. Nah, because I had Stan. You know? Um, but I do find it kind of funny that was it, is it, is it Evie that Barbara, the sheriff's name? Yeah, Evie. She, uh, she's sitting there like trying to figure out who she can take with her to go speed dating. I mean, it just seems like, Somehow, in between episodes two and three, the characters are becoming more endeared to each other, where they can, where she feels like it's a, it's, you know, she can ask Stan to go speed dating with her. Right. Well, the you know other, what I mean? the other deputy guy there mentioned it to her, and she's like, yeah, but I don't want to go, because she went to pick her daughter up, yes. and the new girlfriend was now the new fiance, and so she's yeah. having that doubt of her life. So she needs to have someone that can be just basically someone that hates everybody. So she has a good, oh, is, is this person worth talking to? Because she, but she knows the answer is going to be no every time. Right. So she brings Stan. I love when he walks and he goes, oh, this doesn't look like a box, an arena with a boxing ring and a guy who's going to box a bear. <laughs> yeah, no, it's speed dating. I know if I told you that you wouldn't come here. This is not a man boxing a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my favorite part with the speed dating is his name bat name tag that says not, <laughs> not interested. interested. <laughs> <laughs> Did you also notice too that uh, his daughter, the guy that she was talking to, Kevin, with the beer in his hand, like oh, that was Dana Gould, the guy who created this. Oh no, I didn't realize that. That's yep. funny. <laughs> so, but they do the speed dating thing, and Stan actually meets someone that he thinks is that he can get interested in. Yeah, because she hands him a coffee cup and says, this is straight bourbon. He's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Evie and the daughter there end up going home with uh, Succubus. Well, the, the Evie does. The daughter wakes up the next day and has a package Correct. on her front porch, which is a teacup pig. Which is a pig, <laughs> which is a succubus. <laughs> and, uh, which is ridiculous. Just, which is ridiculous. And she's got like those... Like eventually she has the big veins showing and this and that and she's sick and coughing and on and on and on and she doesn't seem to recognize it and then finally she looks in the mirror and sees herself and it's like she looks really bad. Yep. In fact, she actually looked like uh, you used to be pretty and now you look like the business end of a baboon's asshole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was a phenomenal line. <laughs> yep. Way to turn the phrase, Dan. Um. But of course, they figure out how to defeat the succubus and defeat the succubuses. Succubi. Succubi, yeah. And then I like how Stan and his new girlfriend go out to dinner and he's like, I'll have like a bacon and shrimp top burger with extra cheese. The shrimp part threw me for a loop, but okay. Right. <laughs> She's like, no, he'll have grilled salmon. Yeah, she wants to keep him healthy and everything, so yeah. he assumes she's a succubus. Yeah, and so he tries the incantation on her for her to explode. <laughs> Nothing happens. He's like, oh, of course you're not. <laughs> but he has the surefire way to get rid of a woman when he doesn't oh want God, her around. Yes. Yeah. You just look at him and you say, I know you're pregnant and I know it ain't mine. <laughs> but what if they're not pregnant? Still, Hell. you say, I know you're pregnant and I know it ain't mine. Cause even if they're not pregnant, they're gonna get, they're gonna turn around and they're gonna walk out on you. Yeah. 
um, so episode three was great, and then of course they're airing two episodes a week, sadly. So that means it's going to be done in just two more weeks. Um, so episode four, I, I I didn't think it was nearly as good as episode three or one or two. Right. Uh, but basically, the storyline is Stan's hockey stick. Uh, he's going to put throw away all the demon stuff that his wife had because he's going to make that his man cave. And but he can't find all his stuff, and it turns out she's donated to the church. So he goes to get his hockey stick back and his Bobby Orr hockey stick. His Bobby Orr hockey stick, yes. Which okay, so it was hilarious to me in this episode because he um, he he uh, shits on the Red Wings. Yes. <laughs> which on Scrubs, the Detroit Red Wings, the greatest hockey team ever in existence. Uh, yes, absolutely. So I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like to, we get, you know, he goes to the church and he's like, I want my stuff back. She donated it, but it was my stuff. And the priest is like, look, no, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but you can't. And then we cut away to the sheriff's department and the deputy picks up the phone. He's like, uh, sheriff, Stan's about to assault a priest. Have fun with that. Yeah, I'm leaving early. Uh, no, you're not working until eight. Actually, I'm leaving early. <laughs> to go to this concert so I can hook up with old, older women. And, and his argument, Stan's argument for uh, how he should have the memorabilia because she's dead and live beats dead every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But of course, we find out that the priest who was filling in is actually a demon. Yep. And he tries to kill Evie. And the only way to stop him, of course, is to drive a wooden stake through his heart. And I went, oh, that's what's going to happen to the hockey stick. Yep. yep. And sure enough, eventually it does. And after Stan drives the hockey th- stick through its heart, he just stares at me and goes, you're going to explode. <laughs> and then he does, and he goes, called it. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was it was still a great – it was still a fun 22 minutes. The- some of the ridiculousness that his daughter comes up with is just amazing. They're sitting in the car and he's like, you need to distract the priest. So just like go in there and what did he say? Like pretend that you're, um, she goes, Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger. Yep. He's like, confess and pretend that you're Whitey Bulger. And she's like, I don't like Whitey Bulger. I want to be Jesse James. He's like, all right, go ahead. She's like, yeah. And runs in and leaves the door open to the car. And he's like, that's okay. I'll just press the magic door close buttons. <laughs> Wait, wait, oh, it's not there? Oh, that's right, because it doesn't exist. Yeah, I love John C. McGinley. <laughs> I need you to get a shotgun and bring it down to the church. we got to kill the new priest. Yes! He doesn't even hesitate. Nope. <laughs> okay. Do you trust me? No, but I'm afraid of you. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ah, good times. Good times. So the other horror show that I watch on Thursday night, sorry, on Wednesday night, it's called American Horror Story. And, okay, so the show opens with, we're watching, it's like a documentary of a TV show where they have dramatic elements that are reenacted and we're, we're talking to the, the, uh, the real people, you know, with the camera and the, the setup camera with this background and everything. And after a few episodes, then it switches over to, all right, now it's going to be more like a, it's still a documentary, but it's not told in flashback form. It's being filled in real time, and it's you know it's 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 a reality show now. Okay, so it went from being a, a documentary with dramatic elements to now it's a reality show, and now in this episode it's kind of like Ghost Chasers or Blair Witch or whatever. 
So I don't know the actress's name, but she played the daughter in the first season, The Murder House. She is now back, and it's her and her two friends, and they are Roanoke fanatics. And they are going to come because it's the blood moon. They want to go and film and film the house and on and on and on. It's basically like Blair Witch, if you will. Um, as far as from their point of view, it's the way it's going to be done. But in this episode, okay, so at the end of last episode, an actor shows up dressed as Pigman. And in this episode, we find out that the producers paid him to show up and that and he never heard from them, but he's a professional, so that's why he's there. So, um, fakely and fake Shelby tell him what's going on. He seems real cool and calm and collected about it because he was a Navy SEAL and he's like, all right, well, this is what we need to do. We're going to get out of here. Don't worry about it. We're going to get out of here. So immediately I thought he's going to die this episode and he did. He got killed later on. And then, uh, basically everyone dies in this episode. The, that character that was introduced is killed. And then the, the three kids that are, we see at the beginning, uh, what happens is, is that to escape the, the Polks and to stay alive, really, um, the witch that gave the butcher the powers by when the butcher prayed to her appears to Lee who's laying on the ground dying and basically she eats a pig's heart and now she's kind of possessed or she has the powers and she starts basically killing everybody. Uh, the three kids find her. They try to help her. She kills one of them. The other two run off. They find the producer's truck and see that at the that everyone's dead. They lock themselves inside. The cameras are still up. They see real Lee going into the house and they're, they, they try to get to the house so they could save fake Lee, fake Shelby. But before they can get there, real, real Lee kills fake Lee and then attacks fake Shelby and makes her fall down this cellar pit thing outside. And then let's see the butcher shows up and they got the Navy seal guy and they start basically pulling his intestines out of him and onto the ground and just pulling them all out of him, disemboweling him. And then they catch the the girl and her boyfriend who were there to try to warn Fake Lee and Shelby about Real Lee, but they catch them. And then in this scene I never saw coming in a million years, uh, they start with the boy and then they do it to the girl and they take long stakes and they drive them up their butts and they come out their shoulders and they stake them alive and then set them both on fire. Like there's so much violence and killing going on in this show this wow. season. It is a lot, a lot. And they're introducing and killing characters in the same episode. And the episode ends with – Oh, and the kids tried calling the police, but the police don't believe them anymore. They don't believe anyone because they get so many fake calls this time of year of things going on. They've stopped investigating. Um, however, everything that they were doing, there was live streaming up to the internet. And they got enough calls from people saying this is going on, on the internet, especially when they staked the kids and set them on fire because we showed from their point of view into the cameras fell and everything. Um, once that – because – then they showed up that morning. And, of course, when they show up that morning, everyone's gone. They see Navy SEAL guy with his guts hanging on the ground. The two kids are there all burnt to a crisp state. They find real Lee on the ground, and she doesn't seem to have a memory of anything that's going on or what happened or anything that she did. They find fake Shelby. They help her out of the pit thing, 
and they're bringing her back to the car and she sees Lee and Lee is excited to see her. So happy that she's alive, but she doesn't remember that she tried to kill her. So then fake Shelby, I think her name's Audrey grabs one of the officer's guns and goes to shoot Lee. But of course all the officers shoot her and kill her. So I think there's only one more episode left. And the only person alive that we, the only person alive right now is Lee. So I don't know what the episode's going to be because I didn't watch next time on American Horror Story. But basically, if you look at what they have, all these video cameras, if they start looking at the footage and everything, it shows Lee killing fake Lee. It shows Lee attacking Shelby. There's one where Lee admits on camera because she thinks she's going to die. So she admits to her daughter that she did kill her dad, which she had denied you know, vehemently. Ever since it happened, that she never had anything to do with it and everything, that she made up the story and they show us what happens in the story and one of the dramatic reenactments. But now she's admitting that she did. So essentially, like, if they've seen this footage that we've all seen, then she needs to be on trial. So I don't know if the next episode is going to be her court hearing or, or what it's going to be. I'm not I'm not really sure how it's going to wrap up. Interesting. Yeah, there was a lot of violent killing in this episode. It was I was quite surprised by it all. Sounds like it. Yeah. Would you watch? Well, you had mentioned earlier Superstore. Oh yeah, did you watch both episodes? There was two on. Uh, no, I only watched the first one, the Black Friday. No, there was two episodes. The Black Friday episode was actually the second episode. I believe. Ah, I thought that they got to that a little bit fast. The first episode was them trying to hire seasonal help. Oh, no. And they the seasonal help people where – no, no, Black Friday. Maybe Black Friday was for – no, no, because you didn't see her interaction with her husband, right? Correct. Okay. Maybe that was the second episode then where they're hiring seasonal help because um, – yeah, because on Black Friday, they all get sick. Yes, they all got sick. Oh, okay, no, okay. actually, because of what happens in Black Friday, then I definitely know in seasonal help, her husband gets a part-time job there, as well as a bunch of other people, and then they basically all say, oh, well, you don't really, we, we all know your marriage sucks and you don't love your husband, so she takes him into the photo lab and has sex with him, which is why she thinks she's pregnant on the Black Friday episode. Ah, uh, Okay. And which is why at the end of the Black Friday episode where, where Dina tells wheelchair guy, go to meet me in the photo lab. Garrett. Garrett, because that's apparently where they all have sex in the uh, stores. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. But the season hub episode, basically the gist of it was, um, was it Jonah? Apparently he had a gambling problem. And this comes out in this episode because him and Garrett make a small like $1 bet over who's going to quit first because all the seasonal people do is quit. Yes, and so he, so he starts a pool uh, and goes and talks to them all and makes odds to, to try and you know win money to see who's going to quit first. And they make a big joking game of it. It's kind of funny. So, and I'm sure you working in retail, you'll see some of these seasonal people that came in and be like, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. Oh, I bet you anything. (laughs) But yeah, so the first episode was them having seasonal help. And then the second one was the Black Friday one. And they all got sick. And it made my skin crawl just seeing Black Friday again because I hated it during retail and I still don't like it. I won't go out shopping. I'm not insane. More power to the people that do. I will not go out shopping on Black Friday. I will go online to Best Buy and do my shopping. Yeah. 
I usually wait for Cyber on, Monday. If you want, with Best Buy on Black Friday, they'll have like Supernatural. The newest season will be ten bucks on DVD, or Flash is ten bucks on DVD, and that's basically what I buy is Supernatural. That's that's how I get my, my for ten bucks. I'm just at the point now where I have to keep buying it because I have the first ten seasons. Gotcha. So I got I got to keep buying it, and then that's the best time because that's the cheapest that you're going to find it. Apparently, uh, Glenn actually breaks down and swears when he gets sick. Oh, yes, that is hilarious. And then doesn't realize it. It's like he blacked out. Right, exactly. It's like he finally broke. You'd picture with him being drunk, but this is him just feeling sick. So that was kind of cool. Well, no, wasn't he on anxiety medicines, actually? He kept taking all those pills. Every time something would go wrong, he'd pop another pill. So he was kind of high and then sick. So (laughs) That was pretty funny. Yeah. So it was a couple good episodes. It's a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a fun show. It is. I enjoy it. I'll have to go back and watch that other one now. Yeah. Yeah. I I know I told you everything that happens, but you can still watch it and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Big Bang was kind of, uh, it shifted gears, but it was still kind of lame this week. Yeah. Um, the, the two ongoing stories were that Raj was working late down in the astronomy office and this woman came in who was part of the janitorial staff and she's Hispanic, but she was attractive and not like supermodel attractive, but she was an older woman who was attractive and Raj started like crushing on her and then told his friends that he met her in the astronomy lab, and they were like, oh, so she's an astronomer. And he's like, yeah, sure, we'll go with that. And he kept trying to ask her out, and she kept saying, I don't have any time, I work two jobs, my son's 19, he's going to college, I need to make money, so, you know, you're you're sweet, but no. So he makes her a nice dinner and sets it up in the lab and then cleans the entire floor for her so that she doesn't have to, so she can take a few minutes and eat dinner with him. And she's all excited and, and feels good about the gesture until Howard comes in and says, oh, I heard you're an astronomer. And she's like, you lied to your friends, and, you know, but she doesn't hold a grudge, and she's going to go out with him on a real date at some point. So that was nice. <clears throat> and then the other story is that Sheldon and Amy did an experiment where they put skin cells from each of them together, stimulated it and turned it into essentially a um, neural network so that it could think and process basic rudimentary things, you know, recognizing electrical stimulus, recognizing colors. Um, and they were charting it and it was doing really well, uh, Sheldon, of course, was, you know, bragging about it to Bernadette and saying, you know, my, my, uh, neural network is smarter than your baby. And she's like, yeah, but mine's going to be a fully developed life. And he's like, yeah, but mine's still smarter and, uh, kind of insulting to her. But then Sheldon suddenly realized, well, if our skin cells made this neural network, that's amazing. We need to have a baby. And he was very aggressive about it. Like he was like, drop your pants and let's start making a baby right now. And Amy's like, no, no, I don't want to have kids. I don't want to have babies. And he's like, but come on, I've been tracking your ovulation cycle and you're fertile right now. And we need to get on this. And so the rest of the episode was him trying to do different things to seduce her so that she would go to bed with him so that they could copulate and create a baby. That seems odd, right? Uh, yeah, that was very odd. It was that, like he was not drunk or anything. He just legitimately saw the scientific value in a child that they could create. Which actually doesn't surprise me. No. You put numbers to it and he's on board. Yeah, exactly. Like the experiment of them living together. Right, right. Huh, 
Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Did you uh did you watch any of the like you didn't talk about it, but the Sunday night stuff like the Simpsons, Son of Zorn, Family Guy, Elementary? I did watch Elementary. Because uh, they're basically uh, catfishing a uh, pedophile. Yeah, yeah, they had, that was that story. It's just um, honestly, I think I did. I don't think I watched The Simpsons yet. I don't remember watching Son of Zorn or Family Guy. Um, but Elementary for me was kind of like SVU. I watched both those episodes this week. Neither one of them blew me away. They both touch hot button subjects. Where Elementary is about pedophiling and catfishing, and SVU is about uh, hate crimes. So a transgender person who used a bathroom because they were born a man, but were using a woman's bathroom because of the new laws in New York city and on and on and on. And it was just, neither one of them were like episodes where I was like, Oh, I have to watch these or right. I have to talk about them or whatever is what I mean. You know? like, like criminal minds this week. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't hate any of those shows, but it, it, <laughs> not interesting enough to make me talk about them, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Simpsons was good. It was, uh, lacrosse was introduced to Springfield because the kids were getting too many concussions from football and lacrosse apparently is the next highest after football for concussions, but Hey, at least it's not football. So that was good enough for them. And the kids really liked it and they really excelled at it. And so of course Homer had to ruin everything. Yeah. Um, Family Guy, <laughs> Chris got a date with Taylor Swift to the dance, and so she immediately, like, she had a great time with him, and it was very romantic, and then she immediately went and wrote a song about how terrible he is, because it's Taylor Swift. The the one takeaway that I got out of it that was awesome was Stewie was trying to coach Chris, and he's like, you know, oh, you don't need any haters, and Chris is like, what's a hater? And Stewie said, oh, that's just something people say instead of working to fix their own flaws. <laughs> And that was great. The, the The side story was uh Peter took Brian's car to drive the kids to school. And they're like, are you sure you should have taken Brian's car? And he's like, it's his fault for leaving the keys above the visor like a douche. And somebody else jumped in. They're like, isn't this an Uber? I mean, it is a Prius after all. So Peter became an Uber driver at that point. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, but Son I of did- Zorn was great, dude. Was it? It was another good one because it had a lot of Zephyrian stuff. He, I do like the Zephyrian stuff. He had the uh, uh, robot clone of himself. And like he just got it back because it's been serving a uh, prison sentence for stuff that he did. Yes, I did see that episode. I'm sorry. Yeah. I did see that one. I thought that was quite hilarious. I liked how it had like bomb mode and kill mode and the bird, the bird that he kept summoning. And then at the end, it crashed into the glass window, the glass door. (laughs) And he's just like, I am not even going to pretend to be sad that that bird is dead. It tried to fly away with me. (laughs) Yes, that was a good episode. I did enjoy that. Yep. I liked it. <laughs> Look, I brought us an invisibility cloak, and then you hear it whoosh away, and he's like, well, that's now gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> Always seems to be a downfall um, of invisibility cloaks that they, you it, know, you can't find them. Well, what was it? The party that they uh, went when, in, when his son had the party at the house, and they, someone moved the invisibility cloak over something <laughs> to make him trip and fall. Yep. Who's been moving my invisibility cloak? So, um, what was it? Uh Yes, the, on the episode. Sorry, on the episode where he uh, he set it up so it looked like when 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 uh, when his son walked in to find him dead. Yeah, <laughs> as a big joke. So, yeah, 
Good show. Good yes. show. Oh, and then uh, Zorn's boss and his ex- ex-wife or ex-girlfriend bond over their mutual frustration of Zorn. Right, because her friends are getting sick and tired of her uh, pissing and moaning about him all the time. Yes, exactly. But Why this woman's like, no, I get it. Talk about him. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Good stuff. Ah, hell. Yeah, definitely good stuff. Yep. Um, the only other one that I had from Sunday Night Walking Dead was actually a good episode this week. Um, it took us back. It, basically, this was what we got to see what's happening with Daryl since he was taken prisoner. And last season, he had met up with this group. There were two women and a guy, and they were escaping. And they tried to hold him hostage, and he broke out and should have killed them, but he didn't. He instead tried to help them. And you got the sense that they were hiding from Negan's people, but they never came out and said that because we hadn't been introduced to Negan yet. But uh they their camp that they had stayed at was burned to the ground and one of the two girls, they were sisters, one of the two girls got grabbed by walkers and killed and et. And then uh right at the very end of it they stole Daryl's bike and crossbow. And um it was Dwight and Sherry. And they apologized to him and he's like, Oh, you're gonna be sorry. And he that's why he has had this vendetta against Dwight, because you know, Dwight took his stuff. Even after he spared them, even after he helped them, they still turned on him. Well now we get to find out Dwight's the one who's watching over Daryl, uh basically torturing him with music, keeping him in an isolation room, uh playing this music, Easy Street, which was disturbing, and feeding him once a day uh dog food in bread. But we find out that basically what happened was he ran away with his wife, Sherry, and Sherry's sister. Sherry's sister was supposed to be, she was promised to Negan as his bride. And then because she died out there, Negan now has no bride, and so he was going to kill Dwight. And Sherry stepped up and said, take me instead, spare him. So he agreed to do that, said, you're my wife now, not his, and put a hot iron to Dwight's face. So he's all melted and you know, deformed on the face now, but they still have to live there. So, you know, they meet up with each other and they talk with each other every now and then, but Negan reminds him regularly, this is my wife now. And you get the sense that it's very much that kind of a mentality in there. You know, he tells Dwight that he did a good job recently. So why doesn't he go down and take his pick any woman he wants and he can take her and do whatever he wants to her for an hour. And Dwight's just like, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to get back to work. It, it was gross, but it was nice to get a little bit more of an understanding of what goes on behind the doors and the walls. So, yeah. Doesn't sound like a bad episode at all. No, no it was pretty good. And Daryl did not succumb. Basically, Negan told him that if if you say... <laughs> He stood there with like six or seven other guys from his camp, and he's like, he pointed to a guy, and he's like, who are you? And the guy's like, I'm Negan. And he points to another guy, he's like, who are you? I'm Negan. Who are you? I'm Negan. He goes, see, I'm everywhere. There is nothing you can do to get away from me. And he told Daryl, after all the breaking, after all the psychological torture, after Daryl actually was given a chance to escape and tried to escape and failed, he said, you basically, you're either going to go work in the mines or you're going to get tied up out there in the yard with all the other walkers, or you're going to say that you're with me and the world is your oyster. And he said, now, who are you? And Daryl said, I'm Daryl. And 
that was a mistake. Yep. Yep. But he's Daryl. But he's Daryl. People love Daryl. Yep. The fans really do love Daryl. They sure do. Yeah. Well, let's see. I don't think I can't think of it. I don't think there's any other show I watched that you don't. Uh, Lethal Weapon was pretty good this week. Uh, Basically, Murtaugh's daughter learns a lesson about sexing and not to do it. And then we learn that Riggs' wife is a high-class call girl. And, of course, he has to help her because someone's killing high-class call girls. His wife's friend. Yeah, his wife's friend. His wife's dead. Yeah, did I say his wife is? Yeah. I meant to say his wife's friend. Yeah. But the most ridiculous thing in the entire episode is at the end of the episode, Rachel there is on the ground – her, his wife's friend, and she's trying to run away from the big rich, uh, big rich man who uh, has a lot of stroke and power, and he's going to run her over. So she's laying in the road, and he's got his SUV, and he's heading right at her, and Riggs is coming up behind him, and he basically, while he's driving the car, he leans out of the window with both hands and fires two shots, and the SUV explodes, <laughs> but only the back end does, and it lifts it up over her. And she's safe because it goes, you know, ass over tea kettle over her and then crashes on the ground. And then Riggs doesn't even go check the SUV or, or anything like that. He just goes and picks her up and goes, like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. And then they walk away and the SUV explodes even bigger, you know, because that's what happens in real life. And uh, it was yeah. ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was excessively over the top. The premise to begin with was ridiculous that, you know, they were tracking this girl and it turns out that three other girls have been mowed down by vehicles and they all had sap on their feet from this very rare tree. And this very rare tree happens to grow in this guy's front yard. But if you look at it, they weren't running anywhere near the tree. No. And how, how bad is this guy at abducting girls that, Four of them now have run out the house, and he has to run them down. Yeah, no, he's very bad at it. He's terrible at his job. Yeah, he yeah. If that if abducting people was his job, he would get uh, an F. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. No doubt about it. Uh, there were two particularly good lines that I liked in this episode, though. The first one was in the beginning when the captain's running them down, and he's just like, rah, 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 you know, telling them what not to do. And Riggs looks at him and goes, why are you looking at me? Because you're the only one I'm talking to. Yes, that was good. That was- and, and the other one was uh, when Murtaugh looks over and Riggs is stuffing his face with somebody. He goes, hey, you available? For what? To kill the guy yeah. that stayed my daughter. Yeah, I can make time for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Rick, you got a minute for what? Yeah, to kill the you know, yeah. The, no, I always got time for that. <laughs> and then Briggs is the voice of reason. Yeah, <laughs> I still like going back. I mean, I know Aaron hates this show, even though he's not, has not watched any more than the first episode. He still you know violently hates this show. Um, but I, going back, I still really like the episode where the girl comes in and says. Riggs is asking for backup. Send everybody. Send everybody. Yeah. I thought that was, that was good how they did that. I thought that was funny still. <laughs> but anyways, um, let's see. What else for TV? I think that's it. That's all you I got? haven't watched. I did not watch Supernatural this week and here's why. I read the synopsis and it involves Hitler's spirit being trapped in a pocket watch. And I said, you know what? I just can't do that. Yeah. 
I can't do that right now. Like I just, I'm going to watch some wrestling instead. <laughs> so I'll get to it before next week, most likely. But I just went, nope, nope, nope. That's actually too much, even for me. Nice. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, just quick synopses. MacGyver, I love this show. I'm sorry. I don't care all the people out there who hate it. The more I watch it, the more enjoyable it is. And I've talked to my buddy Mully there, Mr. Mully, and he agrees as well. Yep. He agrees as well that for what it is, it's fun. Yeah, some of the stuff's a little over the top, but it's still – it reminds me of Burn Notice, a little less suave and sophisticated, but I still like the show. And this was the episode where his roommate, who has been oblivious this whole time, you know, they all lie to him, his roommate gets brought into the fold because he's held hostage as well, and he finally has to find out that, you know, they're all basically super spies, and he's been lied to, but he's going to be okay with it. Um, and then Designated Survivor, uh, this was the first meeting where all 50 governors from the different states were invited to meet with the president and talk about getting a Senate and a Congress appointed. And they, uh, they came together to basically say, we don't think you should be president. And then he gave a little speech and said, you know, I should be president. And they said, okay, well, here's our demands. Basically, they said, shut down all borders, no immigrants. And that includes like scientists. That includes people who are just visiting. Don't let anybody in the country and we'll let you have your Congress. And he agreed to it. I'm so glad I stopped watching that show. Really odd. And they, they, interrogated the guy who is the leader of the terrorist cell that claimed responsibility for the bombing. And he finally admitted that he was fed information on what to say so that he could take credit for it. But it was really somebody else, which we've known all along. Yeah. That's not a surprise. Yeah. But uh, more so than that, I've got to say two episodes of shows this week really paid off big for me. Okay. Uh, And that was Lucifer and Frequency. And, okay. and frequency should not have. I'll, I'll get to that one in a second. Lucifer right. was great because in this episode, uh, they dealt with the, uh, the girl's backstory a bit. Um, her dad was killed by a guy named Joe Fields while he was on duty. You know, we got to see, he was picking her up the same sandwich, breakfast sandwich that he brought her every day, uh, at school. And this guy came into the store that he was in and shot him in cold blood. And uh, so now Joe Fields, who's been serving a life sentence for this, is being allowed out to see – God, what was it? It was like – it was some family event, like a wedding or something like that. Maybe it was a funeral. I don't know. But he's coming out, and she's not thrilled about that. So she decides to follow him, and um, somebody kills him before – she can see who did it. So it looks like she had something to do with it, like she was stalking him. Uh, but Lucifer switched gears this time and wanted to find out how it is that Dan, you know, Detective Douche, is such a so good at, like, reading Chloe and knowing how to deal with her. So he decided to follow him around. And he kept using phrases like he was he was undergoing a Dan's formation. And then he wanted to call himself something different, so he was like, should it be Lucidan? No, no, Douchefer. And I think that he should switch it over and just be Douchefer, because it fits him so well. Nice. Um, but yeah, they, it was weird because, like, it kind of reminded me of the story that we had with Kate Beckett in Castle, 
and how it lasted so long, you know, who killed her mother. And it turned out to be this big conspiracy all the way up through. And this one, it was solved within the first, it, it was solved in the episode. Like the whole thing, it turned out to be the warden at the prison and her dad was poking his nose where it didn't belong and he wouldn't take no for an answer. So the warden had him shot and found a fall guy basically said, you go to jail, I'll pay your daughter X number of dollars for the rest of your life. And he had done it to other people as well. So that was kind of anticlimactic, but it was still Very good. Very much so. It, it was still a good episode because it didn't deal with like stupid stuff. It was fun watching Lucifer slowly turn into Detective Douche. Like first it was the clothing, then he actually had the hairdo, then he was like adopting his mannerisms and talking like him, and it was well done. I really appreciated his ability to do that. Um, and then the, like I said, the last episode that we had, Lucifer showed his real face to the psychiatrist. Yes. Maze went and visited her and she's like, I can't do this. She's like, he, he's literally the devil and you're a demon. And she's like, we're still the same people. And she's like, no, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. I can't associate with you people. And by the end, she came back around, you know, cause Maze was like, look, I miss my friend. You're my friend. I want to be able to do stuff with you. I'm still the same person, blah, blah, blah. She was all excited because Maze finally figured out what her new job could be which is bounty hunter. She's like hunting humans is a job. Can you believe it? <laughs> so she nice, brought nice. her first paycheck over to show the doctor and say, you know, let's go out and drink and celebrate. And so it was touching there. She's finally opening up. So that creates a whole new paradigm. Okay. But I, s I still don't know if I want to watch it. Still, like, I don't know if I, I want to try and catch back up or not. I get that. It's been a solid couple of episodes, though. So yeah, I mean, it does sound like the last two episodes were pretty good, pretty decent. Yeah. But at the same actually. time, I I really hate the whole he's vulnerable around her, which they have not touched upon at all in these I past know. episodes. But they will. Yeah, they will, unless they've decided to just ignore that. But they can't. That's a huge part of the story. Right. Right. And um, what about frequency? Fre here's the thing. Uh, Mully sent me a text and he's like, I don't think I'm going to watch frequency anymore. I think I'm done. And I said, you know what? Watch this week's episode. Because I said the same thing. I watched this week's episode and I'm back on board for now. And he was like, all right, I'll take your word for it. Two days later, he's like, all right, I'm back on board. So it wasn't just me. All and right. So what was I, so great about this week's episode? Curtis Armstrong, who, come on, Booger's awesome anyway. He um, is. But he is a guy who she meets in jail and he wanted to speak specifically to her. He, you find out later on that he's spoken to other people who he thought could help him, but none of them did. He is a quantum physics professor and he was using the teachings of other people and what he thought in his own head. And he created a device to talk through time, kind of like what she does with a CV. Yep. And he talks, to, he talks to himself in the future. Now, this is where it's kind of weird because you're, you're basically, you never see him talk to himself in the future and you always wonder if he really is or if he's just crazy. But he talks yeah. about basically his neighbor, this guy, and you see the flashbacks that Curtis Armstrong kept his yard meticulous. He was trimming up his bushes really nicely, kept his lawn mowed. And then there's this douche next door, big, fat, slovenly pig of a guy, lets his yard uh, go to pot. You know, it's all burned and withered grass, and he's got trash all over it. 
And apparently his future self told him that this guy is an alcoholic, which you could see, and that on this specific date and this specific time, he's going to get drunk, he's going to drive his car out into the street, and he's going to mow over six kids from the neighborhood, kill him dead. So he starts trying to stop the guy by like, he said, I did everything. You know, I hid his beer and he went crazy and got more beer. I slipped Alcoholics Anonymous flyers under his door. I, I offered to take him to meetings. He kept trying to get this guy to quit drinking so that this wouldn't happen. But every time he talked to his future self, his future self was like, no, it's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. So he killed the guy. And, and that's why he's in prison. Yes. And he said, he basically tells Ramey, he's like, you know, people are like trees. And he draws a little picture of a tree with these branches. And he says, you can cut off a branch, but it's just going to grow back. And like him killing those kids was a branch. And no matter how many times he cut it off by doing different things, it always grew back. He's like, she's like, so what? You're saying that there's no way to stop him? There is. You cut him off at the trunk. And he basically told her that about the Nightingale killer, because in the meantime, her dad was protecting the next victim. No, hold on. I'm sorry. Does he know that she talks to her dad in the past and all this? Yes. Because How does he future, know that? His future self has told him. Okay. Be- because right. he's talked to her, so his future self knows that he talked to her and that it worked, you know, that he was able to convince her or whatever. Um, but he basically tells him, her that, you know, you've got to cut him off the trunk. You can't keep trying to whittle away the branches. So dad um, manages to protect the next victim, you know, last minute save kind of thing. Uh, She gets away. And so Ramey looks her up in the future and she, um, she survived. She had a good life. She went and volunteered over in India or Africa or one of those places, you know, with impoverished children. And, um, but now she's murdered in Raimi's time by the Nightingale. And he, it, it was taken from the movie basically, but you know, back in time when dad was around, he knocked dad out and took a picture out of his wallet of Raimi and dad and mom. Yep. And then in the future, this woman is found dead with, um, the picture clutched in her hands. And so Curtis Armstrong says, see, you can't just cut off a branch. The branch will always grow back. So yeah. you stopped him from killing her back then, but he still came around to kill her because it's always going to happen. He's set on that path now. But the reason that it was twisted was because, like, Curtis kept saying, you need to let me have my radio. I need to have my radio. Because while he was in prison, he got shop time, and he worked his butt off and, and earned good points so that he could um, rebuild his radio his device and talk to his future self. And then he found out that one of the prisoners was going to murder somebody. So he murdered the other prisoner and ended up no longer allowed in the shop and blah, blah, blah. Or maybe he injured the prisoner. So he keeps telling her, he's like, you got to let me use my device. You got to let me use my device. You got to let me use my device. When she finally convinces the warden to let him use his device, he kills another guy in the shop. And she's like, you say that you were talking to your future self, but it turns out that guy was just muscling in on your territory and you didn't like it. So you had a grudge against him. So again, you don't know if he really was talking to his future self or he's just really brilliant and clever and was using this as excuses to kill people. You know, was that drunk guy ever going to mow over kids or did he just use that as an excuse? Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like it was a good episode, but 
it was all centered around that character. So I'll be interesting to see what you say about it next week. Exactly. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking as well. You know, it, it can't rely on just the one character coming in. Uh, but remember with, what was it? Journeyman. Remember yeah. how great that show was? Journeyman was absolutely phenomenal. Remember how much better it was when they introduced Moon Bloodgood's character? Yes. And then she disappeared. And the show was still good, but it wasn't as good until she came back. Yes. And it was always when she was there that the episodes were better. So I hope that that doesn't end up being the case here. And I really hope he wasn't a one-off because that was the only really strong thing was introducing him and his ideas um, in order to move along the plot. But if yeah. that was it, if it's just back to the same old, same old, then I'm not going to. Although it was interesting, her former fiance, the one that she keeps trying to get with, who doesn't remember her because of this new timeline, he seems to keep showing up at places. Like this time, it was the murder scene of the uh, the woman in the future. And he was like two or three houses down. I'm wondering if they're setting it up so that, like, he's the son of the Zo- uh, Zodiac. Nightingale? Yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting. I think that they would do something like that to give it that kind of twist. Yeah, I could Yeah, I could see that. So, yeah. Good. So, I don't have any more TV shows to talk about. Okay. Do you have any more TV shows to talk about? Uh, I'm going to hold off on Blacklist. I know you said I could talk about it, but I'll wait until you've watched it. Because okay. it, there was some powerful stuff in there. Okay. Um, All right. Fair the, enough. The only other one that I have to talk about was uh, South Park. And okay. South Park had to be rewritten this week because they wrote the yes. episode thinking that Hillary was going to win. Which I find interesting. Yep. I, I wonder if they're ever going to release that footage uh, you know, of the Hillary winning. I'd love to see it. Um, but the new title of the episode was OGs. And... That's kind of all they could say about it. But basically, like, you were watching people watch the election results. You watched one person just put a gun to his head and shoot himself. And Randy's screaming at everybody, what the hell did you do? My God. <laughs> um, so it was a good representation of, of America then. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they're still going with the whole member berry thing. Like, he goes to Garrison's house and he's like, what the hell did you do? How could you do this? And he's sitting there, like, in a trance talking about... We're going to make America great again. And then Caitlyn Jenner violently vomits member berries onto Randy so that then he sits there in a trance saying, you know, oh, yeah, I love I love the new Star Wars. We we can make this pre- country great again. He'll be a great president. So that was kind of funny. The, the kids, though, needed some grief counseling. So and there's been that whole rift this season between the boys and the girls. So. Bill Clinton came to the school um, and he invited all the boys to join Bill Clinton's Gentleman's Club so that he could teach them how to be gentlemen. And, and since, you know, girls were feeling disenfranchised because, you know, the female didn't win the White House, he wanted them to be good, upstanding young boys. And so he was going to teach them. But Bill's Gentleman's Club isn't really the same with only one Bill. So he needed another Bill to help these boys. So... He brought in Bill Cosby. Jeez, I'm crow. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a uncomfortable moment. I bet. 
Uh, yeah. But <laughs> that aside, and them legitimately teaching these boys how to be nice to girls, which was shocking, um, they, uh, uh, well, oh, so the trolls, all the trolls were sent to Denmark. Basically, Hillary Clinton met with each one of them individually. Like, we got to see her meet with Gerald, who's going under Scan Count 42, and told him that the election was stolen, and you're the only one who is clever enough to fool people into thinking you're somebody else because you're such a good troll online. So you need to go to Denmark and figure out this troll trace program so that we can use it as the government and figure, you know, go and look at the internet history of Garrison and get him unelected. And it was just a plot to get all the trolls over there into Denmark. And each one of them was given a briefcase that was supposed to have a bomb in it to destroy the troll trace program afterwards. And they're all locked in a room and all the bombs go off at the same time. And basically the suitcases pop open and a video screen pops on and it's Rick Astley. Everyone got rickrolled. <laughs> Everyone got rickrolled. <laughs> it was just, it was so ridiculous. And I think that that's part of, like, you could see that they kind of had a last minute switch. Like, they did not expect that they were going to have to write this episode like this. So they, they right. really had to flip it around in less than 24 hours. And so some of the storylines were a little bit weird. Well, interesting, though. Yeah. Uh, but if you watch that documentary, what's it called? Um, seven Days to Air? Yes. Yeah. Six Days to if, Air. Six Days to Air. If you guys haven't seen it yet, you can actually watch how they write, film, produce, and make, and then get to Comedy Central, an episode of South Park. And they literally do it six days prior to when it airs. Yep. So knowing that they built the episode the way they did and they had the last minute change it around. Yeah. You know, they're, they, it's something they're quite capable of doing. Yeah. Um, so watch that documentary if you haven't seen it. Last I knew it was on Netflix. It may not be anymore. It might have been on Hulu for a while, but six days to air. Look for it up. Find it. Watch it. It's really interesting. Bill Clinton met with Butters because Butters is still indignant doing that Wieners oh, Out geez. protest. And yes. uh, Bill told him he like had a heart to heart with him, and he told him that you know Hillary is a mean bitch, but that it's his fault. He said, you know, I've done stuff all my life that has broken her spirit, and right now women everywhere have had their spirits broken, and they're about to get revenge big time on us. And if you don't keep your head down, little man, and pretend to be a changed man, then you're going to get put underground and milk for your semen. Oh, jeez, bro. He said, because women do not need us, and they are realizing that, and so you need to change and make sure that they know that you've changed, because otherwise, they're going to have no use for you. Awesome. Yep. But that's it. Do you, uh, you mentioned me managing you watch other movies this week. Would you watch? Just one. Would uh, you watch? It was a movie called Pandorum. That sounds familiar. It's got Dennis Quaid. Um, it's people wake up in a spaceship and yes, they don't remember why they, they remember the basics of their job, but they don't remember who they were. They don't remember how long they've been asleep. And it's supposed to be a ship that's set up to take them to the only habitable planet that they've been able to find. They all yep. wake up in shifts and then go back to sleep in shifts so that they, you know, one crew does this, one crew does this. And, uh, we find out that, 
one of the crew members, there were basically three of them that were awake at the time that Earth sent out its last message saying that you're all that's left, Earth is gone. And so one of them went a little bit crazy, killed the other two, and then started playing God, essentially, started pitting some of the sleeping people against each other for his amusement and turning them into, like, gladiators and stuff. So now they... According to the movie, they were given these injections of a solution that was supposed to help their bodies evolve faster. It was supposed to kickstart evolution so that when they got to a new planet, they could adapt very quickly to it. But since they'd been woken up on the ship, then that caused them to adapt to the ship more quickly. So they looked very similar to the orcs from the Lord of the Ring movies. And it's kind of a psychological thriller. You know, who's who, who's really a person and who's really you know, crazy out of their mind. Did you like it? I did. It was fun. Um, good action, good horror. Uh, Daryl Dixon's in there, you know, um, what's his name there? Norman Reedus. And he gets ripped apart. <laughs> you win this movie come out recently or? No, it's a few years old. Yeah. It sounds familiar. The title at least. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. It was recommended to me and, uh, I watched it and I enjoyed it. I watched a few movies this week. Okay. Um, not all of them were that great. I watched uh, Vigilante Diaries. Essentially, this started out as a web series with Jason Mewes, uh, Paul Sloan, and, and Michael and, and um, Kevin Walker. Okay. And basically what it is is Mewes plays a guy who's a documentarian who uh, catches this vigilante, Paul Sloan, and his partner, the kid, played by Kevin Walker. Um taking down a uh, Armenian cartel or whatever. And so that was what the web series about. And I guess the web series got popular. So they did some crowdfunding. They made a bunch of movies. They made a uh, feature-length movie about it. Michael Jai White's in it. Michael Madsen's in it. It's just garbage. <laughs> okay. Uh, it it sounded acting, like you were going that way, but... Bad acting. Dialogue is not good. Um, just not... Not good. Just not good. Just avoid it. I didn't even watch the whole thing. I just gave up. I like threw my hands up. I'm like, I'm not even paying attention to this. Like I tried giving it full attention the first like 30 minutes. And then it started, my, my attention started to wander and go here and there and there. And then I just, I, just, I couldn't even finish it. I just shut it off. So that's garbage. Um, so that. yeah, I watched another movie called Nerve. I've seen the previous for that one. So this is essentially with Emma Roberts and Dave Franco, and I like Dave Franco quite a bit. As do I. And it's essentially an online truth or dare game where via your phone you play this game, and you're either a player or a watcher. And if you're a player, your goal is to get as many watchers as you can, and the top two players who have the most watchers at the end – you know, compete in the final round to win whatever the prize money is. Um, but essentially the way you gain watchers is they give you dares and you do dares. And for each dare, the, the company that's running it will give you money. And so like, for instance, you know, go kiss a stranger that you may get a hundred bucks if you accept it and you complete it and you're giving a time limit and on and on. So of course, as these dares get more and more, 
as these people get more watchers and the more dares they do, the more risque the dares get. And of course, Dave Franco's character has a, a mysterious background, and Emma Roberts' character has a best friend who's a guy who's in love with her, and she doesn't know it. So he looks into Franco's character, and on and on and on. And the premise of this movie sounds really, really, really good, right? I mean, uh, you know, it in decent. the previews, it seemed like it's, it could have been good. It seems like a decent movie, and the plot seems decent. And then it's got a PG thirteen label slapped on it. And then it's got a, a modern pop soundtrack slapped on it. And it just really becomes like this could have been a great movie if they would have pushed the edge and put an R label on it. But instead they went PG-13 and this is why I don't tend to watch PG-13 horror movies. Because you watch a horror trailer for a movie it looks awesome then they go PG-13 and you're like, oh, it's going to be garbage. Yep, Exactly. And that's essentially what this was. I would not recommend someone watch this movie. Ah, uh, okay. It was – there's – okay. There's a, a situation with some hackers that is so horrendously not true that you would just – you would lose your mind about it. Absolutely lose your mind about what these hackers, quote figures, do. <laughs> you know, because it's all run through your phone, so it's computer based or whatever. And right. it's just, it's ridiculous. It's just stupid and it's ridiculous. And the concept sounded really good and it was just done to teeny, teeny, teeny boppery. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So it's just, yeah, I would avoid it. Duly noted. I watched uh, on Netflix. I watched uh, David Blaine. What is magic? It's a forty-one minute special. Came out in two thousand ten. It's just David Blaine walks around does street magic, catches a bullet in his mouth at the end of this one. Technically, in his mouth, it's, it's, it, there's an aid, um, but it was solid. I watched a flick called Night Owls, and this was decent. Actually, it has a couple of little-known actors with the main characters, and basically, this is what it's about. Um, Peter Krause is a coach to a football team, but you only see him at the end for a couple of minutes. But he's he's this coach to a football team. He's having an affair with a girl. He breaks it off with her. She doesn't handle it well, and at this gathering, hooks up with this guy named uh, Adam and brings her to and, – and he works for – Peter Krause's character, this football, this uh, college football coach, and this is, and he just, in his eyes, the the football coach is the greatest man on earth, and he looks up to him, and he's his mentor, and he worships him basically, and so he meets this girl, they hook up, they go back to what he thinks is her house, and they have sex. It's not her house; it's his mentor hero's house but he's out of town and then essentially she overdosed on sleeping pills so he calls like the team doctor and basically they convince him to stay there make sure she doesn't die make her throw up make sure she doesn't die and just kind of keep her awake and don't don't let her leave until peter Krause's character gets there so it's kind of like a love story because, of course, they get to know each other over to- over the, the course of the night while they're there together while he's forcing her to stay awake. and So it's, it's drama. There's a little bit of comedy. There's a lot of character development. It's a pretty good flick. It's on Netflix. It's called Night Owls. Okay. It's a pretty good flick. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Worth checking out. The last movie I watched was called The Late Bloomer. Kate and I watched this together. 
It's based on a true story, apparently. And it's uh, a male. It's this guy, the main character. He's in his 30s. He has a tumor on his pituitary gland that he didn't know about, and it basically prevents him from going into puberty when he was supposed to as a teenager, as a kid. And the tumor prevents him from producing testosterone. Instead, makes him produce some sort of other female hormone that we all produce, not estrogen, something else, Plavix or whatever it is they said it was. And so he produces just that, but not enough to testosterone to counteract it. So he's never had an erection. He's never had anything like that. And so a series of headaches leads him to go to the doctors, and they find out that he has this tumor. They do surgery on it. They take the tumor out, and then he suddenly is thrust into puberty at a accelerated rate. And essentially, it's basically – oh, and what he does for a job is he teaches people how to um, suppress their sexual desires. And he's written a best-selling book about it. And again, this is actually based on a true story of this memoir this guy wrote about it. I don't know how much is you know creative fiction and how much is really based on what happened. But um, the concept sounds like it could be a great, raunchy comedy. Instead, it's just kind of a mech movie. Okay. So I wouldn't even bother watching this. <laughs> so far, you're not selling us on a lot. No, no, I'm not. But yeah, I'm, this. I mean, what did you watch this week? It's not about just the awesome stuff we watch this week. It's true. Kind of shows you watch they're disappointed, in, but helping you avoid a crappy movie. Yeah. That's true. We we do yeah. public service as well. Yeah. So I I would just I wouldn't even bother. Again, it's one of those things where the concept sounds really cool. Um, sounds like it could be a great you know, raunchy comedy that you know that that like we've seen you know with like. Uh, uh, not not in bridesmaids. I was trying to think Wedding Crashers or American Pie or any of those things like that. And instead, it's just it's the other way. Gotcha. And in fact, I think you only see one pair of boobs in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's it for me on the movie side of things. I got a couple of news things I wouldn't mind touching on in the in the next couple of minutes if you if you uh, have time. Yeah, yeah, I got some time. I got a few news things as well. So uh, I'm just going to jump out with Michael Keaton's going to be playing Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming? Yes. What do you think of that? I think that the Vulture is a villain that has not been properly done Yeah, to date. I agree. And, I agree. And I'm wondering which version of Tombs they're going to do. Are they going for the old, old version who, you know, drains life to make himself young again? Or are they just going with the old man Vulture? I like it because we haven't seen in all the Spider-Man movies, this is not a, a villain we've seen. Right. They hinted at him at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2 when the guy's right. walking through Oscorp and you see the vulture wings in that case. You know, they were going to have him as part of the Sinister Six movie that they were planning. Yeah. But, but yes, he's somebody that we haven't seen yet. He was always a consummate foe for Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's a good choice. And yeah, I think it's great. And it's Michael Keaton. Right. And don't forget, too, that they had some leaked set photos that showed Shocker is going to be in the movie as well. Yes, yes. Even if it's just a bit part. Shocker's another one of those guys that, yeah, you could kind of say he's a bit of a chump, but he was a member of the Sinister Six for a little bit. He, he's he got cred behind him. Yeah, he's got a minutia of street cred. Yeah. What else you got for news? Um. Simpsons got renewed. Yes, for, for two a more record, seasons. 
30 seasons, yes. Yeah. So it's now the longest running, uh, not syndicated show, but weekly produced show. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, you had mentioned last week, we got cut off for time, but you had mentioned you wanted to talk about the Deadpool director. Oh, yes, yes. I had some news on that. Go ahead. No, go well, right ahead. I wanted to. Oh, no, no, no. I just, um, I actually don't have those notes in front of me anymore because I have different notes this week. Oh, I but, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had, we, had, I wanted to talk about how Tim Miller had left. Yes. Was it Tim Miller? Yes. Yep. And they left over, I don't know if we touched on this or not. I can't recall, but they had left over creative differences. Yes. And Tim and the, now the, uh, musical score. Yes. Yeah, um, but there was the director that they lined up that one of the rumored directors that was the front runner to get the flick. Um, I can't remember his name now. Um, can you just touch it? Do you have anything else you want to touch on while I'm looking this up? Uh, they're doing a Big Bang Theory spinoff show. Really? Yes. I thought that it was a joke headline, but it showed up in multiple news feeds, and it's true. It's not they were thinking about it. They've got it set up, and it is going to focus on Sheldon during his teenage, early, pubescent years down in Texas. Now, I'm not going to say they can't make a movie out of that, a TV show out of that, but that seems... Doesn't it seem like a stretch? It does. So we're going to get some young... Skinny, scrawny, geeky guy who's supposed to be, basically be Sheldon and perform the same way and act the same way, except for now, instead of being around peers, he'll be around his family, his, his yeah. Bible thumping redneck family. Yeah. I don't, I can't see it working, but apparently they can. Mm. Uh, and yes, we had talked briefly about the Deadpool creative differences because that's what I had told you about how, um, you know, he's the one that wanted whatever his name is, Kyle Chandler as yes. Cable, and he wanted to have the more stylized look to everything. And Ryan he basically wanted to make it like how Matrix to Matrix 2, Underworld to Underworld yes. 2, how all of a sudden it just became like looking differently and Ryan Reynolds wanted to keep it dark and gritty. Yep. Um, the front runner that I last read was David Leach or David Letch or Leitch or – However okay. you want to pronounce it, is the front runner to direct the film, and his director debut was John Wick. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so my thought process, if you combine the action of John <laughs> Wick with Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool, that's a pretty great combo right that there. That could be a really great combo, although, and, and we could delve into this too, don't forget that Chronicle was amazing. Fantastic Four sucked. Same director. True. True. But okay. you could also drill down and say that, you know, he was more hampered by the studio when he was doing Fantastic Four. Okay. I, I get that. Josh Trank. Well, it's okay. Fault, but David Leach has also been a second unit director, though, on such films as Captain America Civil War, Jurassic World, Ninja Turtles, Wolverine. So Some of those hot, are good. Hansel and Gretel, uh, Witch Hunters, Conan the Barbarian 2011 version. Ooh, so, I mean, you're starting to dig him into a hole here. Yeah, okay. But still, <laughs> I mean, he's, so he's been the second unit director on, on some great flicks. Yeah. And again, John Wick was his directorial debut. His next director in movies coming out with is The Coldest City. Okay. Which just stars, uh, Charlize Theres on James McAvoy and John Goodman. 
and it's coming out next year. And it's a high stakes global action thriller that takes place in the city of Berlin on the eve of the wall's collapse and the shifting of the superpower alliance. How, how can so, they say in the same sentence that it's a global action uh, flick, flick that, takes that takes place, place in, in Berlin? Berlin. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No. <laughs> Um, but it, basically it is Lorraine Broughton as a top level spy for MI6 is dispatched to Berlin to take down the ruthless espionage ring that has just killed an undercover agent and blah, blah, blah. So it just sounds like a good flick. And it's yeah. got John Goodman in it, which I don't know why, but I like John Goodman quite a bit. I really like Charlize Theron. Yeah, there you go. So that was my news about the, uh, Deadpool, the, uh, director. Deadpool director. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that they've mentioned that after Logan, they're going to be rebooting the X-Men movies again? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. The, the details are light, but they said that they really wanted to be able to do the Dark Phoenix saga. But they yeah. feel that with everything that they've done up to date, they'd have to kind of start over Gosh, to be able to do that Doesn't it again. seem too soon to reboot the X-Men? It does. However, here's my thought process. I was talking yeah. with uh, the Petries last night about this. See, this year coming up, we've got Spider-Man Homecoming coming out. And this is going to be a first where Sony and Marvel Studios paired up. Yeah. You know, Sony still owns Spider-Man, but Marvel Studios gets to make the movie, include him yeah. in the universe. If yeah. this turns out to be a windfall for both parties, Fox would be brilliant to reboot their X-Men series and say, hey, Marvel, want to help us with this like you did with Sony? Yeah. Because the other key thing here is that people seem to forget about sometimes is that Marvel yeah. – as a whole, not just Marvel movie studios, Marvel as a whole, which means ABC, which means Disney, they yeah. own the toy rights. They own the merchandising rights to everything X-Men. So that's why when you see an X-Men movie come out, you don't yeah. see Jack for toys exactly. or, or kids things or anything because right. Marvel's like, no, you're not going to make any more money on this. You own the rights to the movies, but that's it or the TV shows. So if they could find a way to work with Marvel and say, why don't you – let us have some merchandising. You know, we'll give you creative rights over the movies. Introduce our Dark Phoenix saga. Let us be part of Infinity War. I think it would be brilliant. See, here's why I find that kind of funny that they're going to do it that way is because of the fact that in February on FX, Legion is premiering. Yes, it is. Eight episode and it's and it's actually connected to the X-Men film series. Yep. Like it's a part of the official canon. So it seems like, okay, they're going to introduce this show. Granted, it's only eight episodes, but basically they're going to null and void it by rebooting the X-Men. X- X- Possibly, but don't forget, if this is Xavier's son, then it takes place years after where we're at. So they can the still recon it somehow. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, I Again, that's just my speculation, but I think that if that's their plan, if they're saying, let's set this up now, we'll watch and see what happens with Spider-Man, yeah. and if it turns out to work out well, you know, both studios making money, then they could, they'd be dumb not to swoop in there and say, Marvel, yeah. let's work together. We'll yeah, bring, no, you're right. They would be dumb not to do that. Bring Deadpool but, over, let him be part of the Infinity War. Holy God. I know. Yeah, no, it would make sense. It's just... It just seems like, I mean, think about it. We got the Logan movie coming out next year. We just had Apocalypse come out this year. It just seems like if they're going to reboot the franchise, reboot everything, it, I guess if they're working with Marvel, it would make it seem a little bit better. Yep. But with everything they just did, 
I guess that's the only way they could recast Wolverine and have people not go up in arms, seeing how they'd be recasting everybody and everything. Well, plus Hugh and Jackman ignoring. said he didn't want to do it anymore. Right, but I bet you if Marvel made a deal with, with Fox over the X-Men to bring the X-Men to the Marvel Universe and everything, I bet you'd see Hugh Jackman would stick around at least to do like Infinity Wars or something like that. It's possible. Because he's been pushing for them to work together. Right. So, I don't know. Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman could team up together to bring the studios over. (laughs) Because if they did reboot everything, the one thing they probably wouldn't reboot or start over or whatever is Deadpool. Oh, They would somehow find a way to leave that into the continuity of things. Absolutely. Yep. (sighs) Cool. Well, that's that's it for me. Oh. Uh, I wanted to touch real quickly. Robert Vaughn passed away this week. Yes, I saw that. Uh, He will be missed. Uh, the man from Uncle, the Joe Bornstein commercials, um, the villain in basketball. He had quite My a God, career. that was Robert Vaughn, wasn't it? It sure was. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we could lay down some carpet. <laughs> um, and then I just saw my first commercial this week during Legends of Tomorrow for the November 28th, Monday starts the crossover event of all four CW universes. Yes. Yes. And it was Barry introducing everybody else to Supergirl and everybody geeking out. And I'm, I'm very excited for that. That's going to be a good week. I haven't seen that, but that sounds really cool. I'm looking forward to those. I'm looking forward to those. And the only other thing that I had real quick was uh, I watched the Ghost in the Shell trailer because that came out this week. I saw that, but I, I, I saw a teaser. Yep. But I didn't watch the whole trailer. What's your thought on that? I don't like it. I'm not a – Yeah. I wasn't impressed when they said they were making a live action. I said, why do you need to? Not everything needs to be live action. I wasn't impressed when they cast Scarlett Johansson as an Asian woman. I really was not impressed with that. And I watched the trailer. Some of the effects look cool, but for the most part, it does not look enjoyable to me. It doesn't look like a lot of fun. It looks like they did so much CG stuff because it's an animated movie. It's a, it's a manga. And they're trying to make it live action, so everything has to be over the top digital, and it just doesn't look yep. good. I'm giving it a hard pass. Yeah, that's pretty much the, the the general feeling I've been getting from others as well. Is a hard pass. So, yep. Cool. Uh, anything else for you, sir? No, I think that's it. What about you? All right. No, that wraps it up for me. Cool. So I guess, hey, thanks for listening to another exciting episode of our award-winning podcast, Has Yet to Win an Award. Uh, you can find us on the Twitter. I'm at SuperstarML. The show is at What Did You Watch? We're also on Facebook. What Did You Watch This Week? I've got a Twitter, too. At Go ahead with it. Geek, G33K. Yeah. And reach out to us. Give us your thoughts and feelings. And, and uh, yeah. Thanks. See you later, everybody.